0: This morning, I was asked to share with you from God's Word. It's an incredible privilege. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Nate Herbst, and I've been a member here for about three years with my wife. We moved to Albuquerque about three years ago, and this church has been a very special church for us. Uh, We instantly found it to be our new home in Albuquerque, and uh, we are excited to be here. If you're new this morning, we're going through a very unique time as a church and I hope you realize that this is a special time. We've been through some hardships but God is restoring us and he's doing something very special here. What we're going to share from God's word this morning will have to do a lot with where we're at as a church but no matter where you're coming from whether it's your first time or not I know that God has a lot in his word for you this morning. I'm so thankful again for Ben and for Tim. Both of these men led with such humility today. And they really showed us an example of humbling themselves and letting God be in control of what's happening here. And I'm excited to follow them in that. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about walking through the valley and following God out of the valley. And the great thing about valleys is we're reminded in Psalm 23 that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, We will fear no evil, for the Lord is with us. So, no matter what this valley may have looked like, I know the Lord is with us, and we have nothing to fear, and we can follow him and grow in this process. I also don't want to miss what God has for us in this valley, right? I know he has special things for us, and I know that as we walk with him through this valley, he's going to work in our hearts in a way that I don't think would happen otherwise. He's doing something special. We just saw that this morning, and it's not over yet. I know He's going to continue working in each of our lives through the coming weeks and months. When Kim asked me to speak, I I felt God calling me to an often forgotten passage in the Old Testament. And at first, I didn't know why God was highlighting this passage, but as I spent the night praying and the next morning reading, it kind of came together. And it's going to be A passage that takes place early in the conquest of Israel, when Israel came into the promised land. You know, God had promised this promised land to Abraham back in Genesis 15. He'd promised it again to Isaac in Genesis 26, and again to Jacob in 28. Uh, This was what the Lord had for them. Uh, Hundreds of years later, Moses had sent spies into the land in Numbers 13. You remember the story. Ten came back full of unbelief. Two had the faith to trust God for the land. Uh, God told them that they were going to spend 40 years because of their unbelief, because of their rebellion wandering in the wilderness, and they did. And about 40 years later, Joshua led them into the land. And I want to start by letting you know, and you know this, that everything in God's word is absolutely true. We know that what we read actually happened. We're talking about real places. So as we talk about what was happening in this valley of trouble, I want you to imagine these as actual real people that were really dealing with difficult situations, just like we have. I think even greater, more difficult. And I want to show a few pictures throughout this this message that will show you some of these exact places that we're talking about. So the first one was from three years ago. And uh, this is a picture in the Jordan River. And this is about exactly where Israel crossed into the Promised Land for the first time, miraculously, before they attacked Jericho. Okay? And uh, shortly after entering the Promised Land, they attacked Jericho. And God did a miracle there. This is a picture of Jericho. You can see a man on the bottom part of the screen there, on the side of the wall. Most of the wall was destroyed, just like scripture says. One part of the wall wasn't destroyed. This is the part of the town that had the homes where people that were uh, kind of the social rejects lived. People like prostitutes. Uh, Those homes that you see at the top of the wall are probably where Rahab and people like her would have lived. As we read, we're talking about real places and real events that really happened. And that includes the Valley of Acor that we're going to talk about this morning. As we speak, we're going to... Um, be looking at Joshua 6, 7, and 8, I would encourage you to turn there with me. We're not going to read all three chapters. We'll jump around a little bit. But if you have your Bible, turn to Joshua 6. And I'm going to talk about three things. I'm going to talk about struggling in the valley, surrendering to God in the valley, and stepping out of the valley into all God has for us. See, we've been in a valley, but we don't have to stay here. I believe God wants to meet us here, and he wants to lead us out into all that he has for this church. So struggling in the valley. We've, we've all experienced times of struggling in the valley, and so did Israel as they entered the Promised Land. They came out of Jericho. They had seen an incredible victory. I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be facing the obstacle they faced, and to see the walls come tumbling down. I cannot even imagine what that would have been like, to see God so miraculously come through for them right in front of their eyes. You'd think that they would never be scared again, right? That they'd have all the faith in the world to trust God for what was coming next. You see, before they conquered Jericho, Joshua had reminded them of God's command that we read in verse 18 of chapter 6. Joshua said, do not take any of the things set apart for destruction. You or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on Israel. So they they knew that they were not to take the devoted things, uh, none of the plunder, none of that from Jericho. All of it was to be devoted to the Lord, right? Uh, But Achan had stolen a robe and some silver and gold that he had found in Jericho, and he had hidden them in his tent. We read about that in verse 1 of the next chapter. And then in verses 20 through 21. And uh, the treasure in his tent led to a massive struggle in the valley, right? Uh, This is an Old Testament passage, and we we live under a new covenant, but I think there are principles that we can get here. And I know that I want to learn from what God did in this situation. Let's read a little bit between verses 2 and 8 from Joshua 7 about what happened next. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the city of Ai. "'East of Bethel, near Beth-Avon. "'When they returned, they told Joshua, "'It is a small town, and it won't take more than two or three thousand of us to destroy it. "'There's no need for all of us to go there. "'So approximately three thousand warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. "'The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the quarries, "'and they killed about thirty-six who were retreating down the slope.' I love to see, I'll come back to the passage, but I love to see the authenticity of God's word as we read it. Uh, The slope here, it talks about Israel fleeing down the slope and that slope between Jericho and the Valley of Achor slightly north of Jericho up to I is about the same elevation difference as the Sandia tram. uh, tram. It's about 200 feet difference, almost identical to that elevation difference, over about 10 miles or so. Uh, And here we read, they're retreating down the slope back to the Valley of Achor, right? The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the leaders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads and bowed down, facing the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, Sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan if you were going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what am I to say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? Israel had, had come into this, this valley and they experienced incredible trouble. That's what the word Acor literally means, trouble. It's a valley of trouble. Here, for the first time in the conquest, they, they face defeat. And they're disheartened, they're dismayed. Uh, but God was in their situation. He was right there with them. And he was bringing them through it. Just like he's bringing us through our situation today. He never left them. There's a principle that you'll see throughout Scripture, and this is true, that God is never absent from our trials. He's always working in our trials. And he's always accomplishing something special in them. I'm reminded of Abraham and Isaac, right? (sighs) Incredible story. Just Abraham had come from a society where human sacrifice and even child sacrifice was prevalent. And here in this situation, God shows him, I'm different than that. I'm different than that. He was willing to put everything on the line and he met God in his deepest trouble, right? He wasn't alone. Jacob and Peniel, Moses and Midian, David and Nathan after his adultery. Elijah and Horeb, again, coming off a a high on Carmel, seeing God do something amazing, but then instantly experiencing fear and defeat and dejection, right? Jonah and the whale, the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, All of these people faced incredible trouble, and in the spite of it, God was with them. These were real people, just like me and you. And in our trials, in our valley of trouble, he's going to meet us right where we're at. I know that, because he's done it throughout his word, and he's done it throughout human history, and he's not going to leave us alone. He's at work even when we feel demoralized, defeated, and paralyzed, just like the Israelites felt there. Many of you have probably felt that over the past months, weeks, etc. I'm sure all of us have felt that at times. I assure you, God is working in our situation. We all know that he promises us that in Romans eight twenty-eight: He will never leave us nor forsake us. He is, <laughs> he'll turn everything for the good of those who love him. You guys, it is time for us to surrender to God in our valley. So Israel came to this point where they had to meet with God and surrender to him. And uh, you might say that they had bigger fish to fry than the people of I. It was true. They had something much bigger to deal with here, and they had to meet the Lord. In Joshua 7, 10 through 11, we read, "'The Lord said to Joshua, "'Get up, why are you lying on your face like this? "'Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. "'They have stolen the things "'that I commanded to be set apart for me. "'And they have not only stolen them, "'they have also lied about it "'and hidden the things among their belongings.' God exposes the culprit, and Achan surfaces, and he admits it. He says in 20 through 21, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, for I saw a beautiful robe imported from Babylon, 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent, with the silver buried deeper than the rest. Uh, He comes clean with where he's at. The punishment for this sin was intense by today's standards, right? And something that I think is important to realize is that God always demonstrates the gravity of sin in the Old Testament, so we'll see the magnitude of his mercy and grace in the New. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. But in Leviticus 27, it was mandated that whoever took the devoted things would be killed. And that's exactly what happens to Achan here. We read in Joshua 7:24 through 26, then Joshua and all the Israelites took Achan The silver, the robe, the bar of gold, his sons, daughters, cattle, donkeys, sheep, tent, and everything he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. Then Joshua said to Achan, Why have you brought trouble on us? The Lord will now bring trouble on you. And all the Israelites stoned Achan and his family and burned their bodies. They piled a great heap of stones over Achan, which remains to this day. That is why the place has been called the valley of trouble ever since. So the Lord was no longer angry They got the stuff that was in their tent and they threw it in the trash heap, guys. And they didn't do it lightly. They stoned it, they burned it, and they buried it. (laughs) They did away with this once and for all. There are issues that have divided our body for many years. Last week, Kim said, we're not gonna administrate ourselves out of this. (laughs) Uh, These are spiritual issues. And I think God wants to meet us here this morning and he wants us to give him our issues, whatever they are. They say, we're taking them out of the tent. We're throwing them in the trash heap. We are done with this as a body. We're putting it behind us. We are going forward with the Lord. I know this is what the Lord is calling us to. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8, we read that love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. keeps no record of wrong. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Love will last forever. Uh, Love, in this sense, has not always defined our terms. And it's not always defined our actions. I think we've held on to things sometimes when we didn't need to. I have. I think all of us in some way have. Galatians 5, 19 through 23 contrasts the works of the flesh with the works of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, participation in demonic activities, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, divisions, the feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your own little group, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sin. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here there is no conflict with the law. As wonderful as this church is, uh, we still have some hidden things in our tent that I think God is asking us to give to him today to surrender to him once and for all, to say those things are not going to divide us anymore going forward. Um, There have been times when real concerns, legitimate wrongs, and personal differences have divided us. I'm not delegitimizing your issues. I'm not saying that any of your issues are wrong. We have real issues, but we can't let those real issues separate us any longer. The unity of this body is more important than our issues. It's time to put those in the trash heap and to say we are going forward as one for the faith of the gospel. I want to show you a picture of I. This is the real I. Some people have confused uh, an older archaeological site at Tell with I, but they've recently found a new one. This is uh, Dr. Bryant Woods and his crew, including uh, Eugene Merrill, that are uh, discovering the new city of Ai, and it perfectly matches the biblical record. But what's exciting to me about this picture is Israel made their way out, and they saw the Lord accomplish victory. In Joshua 8, 18 through 19, the Lord said to Joshua, point your spear toward Ai, for I will give you the city. Joshua did as he was commanded. As soon as Joshua gave the signal, the men in ambush jumped up and poured into the city. They quickly captured it, and set it on fire. You guys, this little piece of pottery right here, it's kind of exciting, but a friend of ours actually got to go to that dig that you just saw a picture of. And the pottery shards at the level of the conquest were so abundant that they told her, you can take a few pieces home for friends. And she brought this piece home. Uh, She said, this is an actual piece of a pot from the conquest of Joshua. Uh, This right here to me says a whole lot. Just like God gave eye to his people when they trusted him and surrendered to him in that valley, he's gonna do the same for our church, okay? This isn't fiction. This is God's word, it's true. He's done it in the past, he did it then, he's gonna do it again. You guys, I know we all want authentic reconciliation. I know we all want for this church to be a healthy and thriving church, and I know we all wanna reach our community for Christ. Could we all agree with that? I think we're all there. I also know we've had real concerns about the health of this church. We've had expectations maybe that haven't always been satisfied. We've, many of us have been legitimately wronged and many of us have had personal differences with others. Uh, today, it's time to take those things and to give them to the Lord. I'm not delegitimizing them. I'm not saying that they're false. I'm saying today the Lord wants to meet us in our valley of trouble and he wants to walk us out. The question is, will we follow Ben's example and Tim's example and surrender those things to the Lord and go forward? I'm there. I want to do that. (laughs) I want to follow their example. Whatever has divided us must end today. My prayer is that today would be the end of it that we would no longer talk about sides, that we would no longer talk about the four, the five, the 129. My prayer is that going forward, we would talk about one unified body. That's not perfect, but our eyes are on the Lord and he is gonna walk us together in a unified way out of our valley of trouble. Are You ready? Church, this is our hour. Uh, We've had a little bit of a struggle in the valley. I think God's brought us to a place of surrendering to him in the valley. Let's step out of this valley and follow him and all he has for this incredible church. Jesus, I pray for this church. It's your church. Continue to work in us in a way that only you can. Unify us for all that you have in store for us. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray, amen.